who are zealous. Fifteen verses twelve to thirteen are the passage is printed for you there in your bulletin. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is God's Word. The grass withers, the flower fades. God's Word will endure forever and ever. I want you to keep that um, handy where you can read that passage again with me later on. Uh, in the in the sermon in this in this time together, uh, thank you for um, all that music today, and uh, that was a sweet gift. And I, we've never had anything dedicated to us as a couple, and that was pretty that was pretty stout there. So thank you for that that display of love, and um, and Grant, thank you for lighting the candles. This is a visible illustration of what I'm going to be talking about very briefly, um, and. Uh, He's always covered. He's he's just a great guy to to uh, cover your back, and um, as Susan is, and we work we work well together, and um, you know our gifts fit fit well together. But you know, thank you for doing that. Um, I wanted to um, start off by saying that you know most mornings, most Sunday mornings when I leave the house, I ask Catherine, I ask her, if she's ready for the the world's greatest sermon, and uh, and so and so this morning I I said. Um, are you ready for the world's greatest Christmas sermon? And, and she said, well, I've heard Christmas sermons in Tennessee. You know, Johnson City, they would uh, meet on Christmas Day, whatever, you know, as a worship service. And, uh, and she said, and they were long. So um, that, was, <laughs> that was her encouragement. This is not going to be long. But that was just the way she, uh, way she uh, encouraged me this morning on the way to, on the way to work. Uh, but, uh, as she always does. But I know what she means. And, um, you know, and I, I've said this before. But, and, Grant, I'll just tell you, um, you know, we get to preach the gospel. I mean, this is the good news of, of the King of Kings, that uh, he saves his people from their sins. And he's coming again. To make the world new. This, I mean, this is what a great privilege to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're going to, and that's what makes any sermon, you know, there's lots of the world's greatest sermons going around today. If you preach the gospel, it's the world. It may not be the best delivery. It may not be, you know, you may not be on your toes studying that week or whatever because of whatever, but every sermon is the world's greatest sermon if you preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do, right? So praise be to the Lord. Uh, and let me start off by saying, uh, you know, last night, if you missed it, um, there's a lot of pressure here. Timothy, I had to do the Advent 
candle stuff and uh, finish it up. And, uh, you know, Timothy's done such a great job. I was, you know, nervous about this all week, how I was going to do it. And, and so I decided that you, you weren't here, but, you know, you with your family, that's okay. Um, but I got, a, got some earplugs, you know, those old waxy things, and I borrowed them from Catherine, you know. And uh, she wears those to sleep because I snore. And uh, so I borrowed some of those, and I used that as an illustration that... Um, that we need Jesus to come so that we can hear, right? He comes so that we can hear um, about who God is. But then I had a, these um, eye covers, and one of the kids um, called it no-see. I said, what are these things? You know, there's things you get on the airplane so you can sleep, you know, the, the mask. So, I mean, what do you call those things? What was that? Blinders, yeah, that's one word for it. But I thought it was exact. One of the kids said it's a no-see, Right? Did you say that? That was awesome. That's exact, you know, knowledge of what that item was. But anyway, so Jesus comes so that we can hear the word of God. We can hear about who God is. But most, just as important, he comes so that we can see who God is. So that was, and that's what the Advent candles tell us. Um, And the Advent candles answer those questions. Who is God? And what does he want us to know? That's really what Advent, what they speak to us. And, and let me ask you this. Can you name these candles? I mean, just right off the bat. Could you do it real quick? And probably, you'd probably leave one of them out. I always have trouble remembering what they are. But they are the, the love candle, the promise candle, the light candle, and the hope candle. Um, so uh, over the years, I've struggled remembering those things, especially when doing, you know, have to get the kids to remind me which one is which and so forth. But, but a deeper um, question that, that you may have never thought about, but I'm weird and I'm a preacher and I'm in all, involved with all this worship stuff, um, history of the church, where does all this stuff come from? Why do we do what we do and so forth? Well, who, who came up with Advent? I mean, the, it's not in the Bible, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just a custom. It's nothing bad. It's like reading creeds and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But is, it, is what you do about the gospel, right? Is the, what's your only, is the Heidelberg about the gospel? Yeah, that's why we say it. Is the confession of sin time about the gospel? Yes, that's why we do it. So Advent should be about the gospel. And uh, it's a good thing. But, you know, I was thinking, what, oh, where did it come from? And who decided it would be four Sundays? I mean, somebody made that, some group made that decision. Maybe it was elders or some Anglican guy. I don't know who, who, where it came from. But I would just, you know, I was wondering, why couldn't we change it to three Sundays? You know, that's my suggestion. Um, you know, that would save a lot of time. We're real busy during Christmas, right? We just cut a Sunday out and move on. And so, um, why couldn't we do that? So this morning, I'm going to make a case um, suggesting that we have a three Sunday uh, Advent. Okay, could I do that? I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not adding to the Bible. Actually, I'm being silly, but as I usually am. But uh, I'm going to, why not, why not a Trinitarian Advent, right? It would make more sense. It would be more in line with what we believe about our God. But anyway, that's, um, that's where we're going this morning. And thank you for the, um, <laughs> thank you for that 688 um, sermon, Rick. That's, that was sweet too. Um, 
rarely do I name the sermons what they should be named. I tried to, you know, this, this week is no exception. I think I named it on Tuesday and it changes to something else by Sunday. So just ignore the title, whatever's in there. This, this is, and we're talking about um, proposing a three, a Trinitarian Advent celebration. And people who hear this sermon on the internet will change, it will, this will change the life of the church for years. Right? I'm just kidding. It will not. Nobody's going to hear this. But anyway, what does the Advent candle do? Uh, let's pray before we, um, we we get started. Lord, thank you that uh, thank you for this uh, beautiful day of, of grace and uh, the time that we celebrate the most amazing thing that you became a man without ceasing to be God in the person of your Son, uh, Lord Jesus. We worship you and we. Thank you that you have been so gracious to us, especially that you've sent your spirit, that we can see who God is and we can hear what he has to say. We can know the Lord. And I pray that you would use this time to increase our knowledge of your grace and mercy. Thank you for all you do and all you will do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get started. Who is God? Again, you know, we're looking at the Advent candle. and Maybe it's a, we could do it in a Trinitarian um, form, but it answers the question, who is God? What does God want us to hear? Well, who is God? God, I can tell you this. First of all, God is a God that comes after us in our trouble. That's pretty clear from the very beginning of the Bible. God is always rescuing. He always helps us in our trouble, whatever it is. Uh, you know, God made the world good. When he made Adam and Eve, it was, he said, this is very good. People made in his own image and so forth. But we messed it up. In Adam, we, we're just as culpable as he is. We are sinners. And so God promises to send his son to save us from our sins and that's you know the children know that last night two of them two of our precious children when I asked them those questions they immediately went to that what the angel told um, Mary Jesus will save his people he will save us from our sins it's so sweet that they know that and at, at such an early age but you know Jesus isn't just this man who comes the second Adam who comes to save us from our sins to live in our place to die in our place and to be raised um, as Paul says, for our justification, uh, he is God in the flesh. And we say that all the time, but we forget what a miracle that is. And C.S. Lewis says, if you have a problem with miracles, you're really going to have trouble with this one. <laughs> that God would become man and continue to be both God and man one person with two natures, and he will continue to be both God and man, one person with two natures, forever. God is a mysterious person. You are mysterious as a man or a woman, but a God-man. It doesn't get any more miraculous, any more mysterious than that. And so what does God becoming man tell us about God? I hope you know what I'm going to say. It tells you that God is a very humble person. One God in three persons. He's been one God in three persons forever and ever and ever. We can't explain the Trinity, but we know that this act of God is, is a great act of humility. 
While we were yet enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. It doesn't get any more humble than that. God is a very humble person. You know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And each member of the Trinity, that has been going on forever and ever and ever. Who is your God? God is a humble person. Each member of the Trinity has been preferring each other over themselves for all eternity. That is who your God is. He's a humble person. But as sinners, we we think more of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves. Uh, And, you know, you, you were seeing that lived out you know as adults we kind of learn to hide it especially when you're outside of your own home but our, our if you're inside your house your kids know you your wife knows you um whoever you're living with gets to know you and but uh, you know we can put on a good front most of the time but right in, even in uh christmas time we get this great the significant revelation of how selfish we are and it shows up in our children and our grandchildren you know they're opening up these presents and you got cousins or whatever coming over to play and our brothers and sisters and my grandchildren they are the sweetest things ever and they are so kind and you know once they've opened their presents they just invite their cousins to come come i want to share this with you and i want you to to play with my truck go ahead no, <laughs> you know I'm lying. That's not the way it is. No, mine. It's mine. And you get people crying. And just, you know, that's the way I feel. I felt like that many times in the past year. Just feel like, <laughs> But I'm an adult, and I want you to think highly of me. And on the inside, I'm maybe crying out. But on the outside, I'm, at least I think I think, uh, you think I have it together, but I don't. Uh, but, um, you know, I want to, this is my life. What are you doing, God? I, this is my, this is my plan. What are you doing? Um, you know, as people, we, we grab, uh, and we bite and we devour. You know, Paul says that in Galatians. Let's, we bite and devour. You, you ever been bitten? Uh, you've been bitten recently. Uh, it's not, it's no fun to be, uh, a sinner and be around sinners. That's, that's the flesh. And the flesh ain't going to get any better. Nothing good dwells in my flesh. I'm sorry to tell you that. And you're going to struggle with this till you go to be with the Lord. Or he comes again. Okay, okay, that's not going to change what I do. I just repent and ask the Spirit to give me grace to move on and in, in walk with Christ and walk in the Spirit. And, you know, I, don't have, I shouldn't act like that, but I do. But once you're forgiven by that humble God, that empowers you to live for Him, doesn't it? That humility that He comes for you and He forgives you and He loves you. That gives you the strength and the motivation to live for Jesus Christ. Our God is a God of love and a God of humility. And so I'm all about the love candle. Hey, I think we ought to keep that one, don't y'all? It's, it's a good one. Um, in the Trinitarian Advent, I'm proposing it is a very biblical uh, candle to have. And because God is a God of love and he invites us into his life, he wants us to what? What's, what's, the, what's the purpose of him coming? To save his people from their sins. That's right. But what's the goal? What's God's goal? To conform you to the image of Christ. We know that. But so that you will know him. 
you will personally know him, have a intimate relationship with him as a friend. You know, Abraham, uh, God called Abraham his friend. God called Moses his friend. Jesus calls us his friends, his brothers and sisters. That's God's goal. He has to forgive us, certainly, but his, his goal is for us to know him. And to, to learn to know him, he has to teach us about himself. The scripture says God is our teacher. And that's why he sends Jesus, who is the light of the world, right? Jesus says that. We know God is love because Jesus comes as the light of the world and shows us who God is. But God also shows us how to live as his people. And the light is a lamp unto my feet. Uh, it helps us know how to live for the Lord. So God loves us. He wants us to know him. And in his, and in his word, he teaches us how to walk with him. And the main thing, the main number one step in knowing Christ, knowing God is this. What? What's the first lesson of Jesus? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent of your sins and trust me. Same lesson today. If you're whatever you're struggling with, unbelief is sin. Even you know, anxiety can. Nothing wrong. With, we're always anxious. We're. I'm not pounding you about uh, anxiety. Is this great sin you need? We're always anxious. <laughs> that just never stops. But repent of that anxiety, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm not trusting you. I'm sorry. You've proven yourself over and over. Please forgive me. And move on. And we learn that in the light of Jesus Christ and in the Word of God. Jesus is the living Word of God who tells us who God is. God is a God of love. But the, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, tells us the same thing the living Word tells us. God is a God of love. He's trustworthy. He is a rock. He is your Redeemer. He is your, he is your everything. One thing I seek, the psalmist says, to dwell in the house of the Lord. What's he saying? One, there's one thing. Most important is to know Christ in your life. What's the one thing that you are seeking? God has shown you that he is the one thing, the priority that you should be seeking in your life. You know, I was, as I was thinking about what to say this morning uh, in light of the Advent candles and so forth. Uh, and, you know, God is a God of love and God is a God of light. But, I, but it hit me, I just want to look up how many times in the Bible the phrase God is blank. How many times is that used? I've got this cool um, computer program. I just type it in there and... You know what? I was very, I was, once again, I was just embarrassed with how many, how impoverished my soul is in thinking about God is blank. Let me, let me read some of the things. God is God. God is King of Kings. God is awesome. God is our rock. 
Now, this, this could be a sermon series on the isses of God. Like, that's a hobbit, you know, isses. They mis, mispronounce the, the plural. But God is this. He is, he is king of kings. God is God. He is awesome. God gives rest. God is greater than men. God goes before you. It says that in the book of Deuteronomy about a zillion, I don't know how many times, but it's always saying God's going to go before you and give you the promised land. God's going to go before you and give you the promised land. God's going to go before you. It's like, how many times are you going to say that, Moses? Like a zillion times? Because people forget that. We forget that. And translated for us, God will give us the new heavens and the new earth. God will make all things new. He will keep those promises. God is Lord of lords. God is great and mighty. God is our refuge. God is the God of heaven and earth. God is a righteous judge. God is a great teacher. And so what do good teachers do? What do great teachers do? They give you light so that you will know whatever you're trying to know. And if, and if, you, if God's goal for you is to know him, he's going to give you light so that you can walk with him. God is all of those things I just mentioned. Refuge. He's mighty. He's a righteous judge. He's a God of justice. He's greater than men. He's a rock. He's all of those things to you. It's not just that he's just, this is who he is. It's like all these, you know, we're watching a lot of football this time of year, right? We don't know those guys personally. Whatever they are, it's not to me personally. They may be a great quarterback, a great receiver, but that's just kind of in general out there. But God, whoever God is, is to you personally. You are in the game with him, so to speak. He is all of those things to you. And so let me just ask you this. Which of those descriptions of Jesus Christ, which of those descriptions of God do you need to meditate on this week? Which one of those? Jehovah Jireh, he is the one. God is the one who provides. What, what is it? God is love. God is light. But he's, God, his is's just are, they never stop, do they? So the second candle, first candle is love. The second candle is light. What's the third candle in the Trinitarian Advent celebration? It's going to save you all that time next year, Grant. So what is it? Well, Christmas is a time of giving. Um, and, but if you give, and you know, we send, you know, Jonathan couldn't come home for Christmas. He's in Connecticut. So we're sending stuff to our grandkids up there with Amazon and all that stuff. We're shipping it. Uh, it's, you can do that. That's a good thing to do. But you know, it's always better to give a gift in person, isn't it? It's always better. It's sweet to get one. But when that person looks you in the eye and they, they give you that gift and you see them face to face. You've connected with that person. And there's that joy, there's that mysterious union that you have with that person when you look at them face to face. And Paul says that we see God's glory in the face of Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. In the gospel. And so we see God, we see God in Christ, we, we are friends with God, we can look him in the face, we can look him eye to eye, and we can say, thank you. Thank you that you have sent your son. Thank you that you joined your heart to me. Thank you that you have pursued me. 
Um, you know, the promise candle, we, that's one of the, the candles in the Advent lessons. The, the Bible promises, every promise in the Bible is yes and amen in Jesus. But, you know, I would, um, and there's, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with calling a promise candle. But, you know, I would really, I suggest that we make this third candle, um, the, instead of the promise candle, I would uh, suggest that we call it the with candle. With, W-I-T-H. God is with us. Didn't we sing that a while ago? Emmanuel. Because God has sees to it that we are face to face with him in Christ. But he does not leave us. Jesus, when he is raised, he, he ascends into heaven and he pours out the Holy Spirit. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? So that we can know him. Again, so we can dwell with him. And again, uh, the with candle is just basically the promise, and that promise of Genesis 3.15, yes, the promise of the Messiah coming, but why is the Messiah going to come? So that you may be with God, that he may dwell with you. And that's why God fulfills with Christ. He fulfills that. It ultimately fulfills that great promise. I will be your God. I will, you will be my people. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's a promise of the indwelling spirit of God within you. And so let me just suggest when you're driving home, when you're in the car by yourself, some of you pray in the car, you go on the way to work, some of you commute, um, whatever, um, Walk into class, um, going shopping. I just suggest to you that you be reminded. I want to remind you, God dwells in you. God is with you. He's, he is, he's with you in the aisle of Winn-Dixie as you're looking for the whatever you're looking for. As you're eating uh, out, as you're eating lunch with a friend, God is with you. And to make it even better, it's not just you and God. It's not just you and Jesus. That's why corporate worship, that's why small groups, that's why meeting together one-on-one is so important. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, and the body of Christ. You are connected to one another mysteriously. And when you get together with the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, it warms your heart. We are, He is the vine, we are the branches. So God is with you, and he's with us. Where two or three are gathered, he is with us. I know the context of that is, is um, people misuse that context a lot of times, but it's, it's true. In, in corporate worship, God is, he said, Paul says that. When we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, God fills us with his spirit. And there is a nuance, there is, there is a difference when we take the Lord's Supper together as the body of Christ. When we sing the hymns, uh, is the body of Christ. God is with us. And he encourages us. And when that happens, because God is love, because God is light, because God is with us, there's my three candles. Oops. I can't do it in three. Can't do it. What do you have? Because God is love, because God is light, because God is with you. What do you have? And it's one of the candles. It's very important. It's the hope candle. It's the hope candle. And that means, ah, my idea won't work. Take it off the internet, you know, don't change the church. 
at large. Um, you can't cram Advent into four weeks. It's, two, it's, it's just or into three weeks. It's, it just takes at least four. And in fact, it, it really takes 52 weeks to, to do Advent because every Sunday is about the gospel. Every Sunday is about God coming. So we probably ought to have 52 um, Big old wreath here. Boy, that, can you imagine having all those kids with 50? Oh, who's going to do the 51st candle? It'd be, it'd be scary, wouldn't it? Right? Every Sunday is a reminder that Jesus has come. And every Sunday gives us hope. And I, I don't know about you, um, I need hope. I need hope. I need hope. You know, this, this, um, one of the benefits of changing roles as a pastor is that um, I'm able to do more ride-alongs with the police and so I've been intentional about on Thursday mornings going out um, I want to just tell you I'm not going to tell you but uh, you know just hearing the reports and the, this it was, it was heinous what people do to one another it's just it's ugly it's nasty it's heartbreaking it's dark and, and then you go ride along with these guys and you see where people live in this in this weather, uh, it's just it's it's atrocious. That's all I can say. Sin destroys relationships. Sin causes suffering. Sin causes poverty. Um, people hate each other. People do horrible things to each other. But you know what I've discovered. Um, as a um, middle class American uh, Christian is that people who are well off and blessed like us we sin can also destroy our lives and sin can wreak havoc in our lives and cause lots of suffering um, I've heard it said this week I feel like I'm living in a nightmare I've heard that from somebody in this room this week. You know, and we are way, way better off than those people I just described. But that's what the present evil age is. It, it is a nightmare. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus has rescued us. And that's how you get hope. That's how you get it. But sometimes as Christians, we, we, we kind of leak hope, don't we? We just... I'm hopeful. You come and worship and I have hope. And you talk to somebody on the phone, Mr. Christian, that's encouraging you or you whatever. But you inevitably it just kind of starts seeping out. <laughs> what do you do? How do you get hope? I want you to do this. I, I tell you this all the time. Pray Ephesians 3 for one another. Pray that your brothers and sisters would know the love of God in Christ. Pray that. But also, I want to encourage you to do this. Pray that we would know the hope of Christ. And here's the reason I think we should pray that. Would you get your bulletin? And would you read verse 13 with me as we close this up? This is what you should be praying for one another. Let's read it together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit 
you may abound in hope. What do you think? Will you pray that for me? I'm going to pray it for you. I'm going to pray it for my family. And the question, but the question is, we wind this thing up, is do you abound in hope? <laughs> Ooh. The abound was the word. Yeah, I do have hope, but I'm not abounding in hope. What do you do? What do I do? You ask God for the Holy Spirit. I tell you that all the time. Jesus says that. That's good. I should tell you what Jesus says. Ask for the Holy Spirit. But why should you ask for the Holy Spirit? The answer is here. Paul tells us we should ask for the Holy Spirit so that God will fill us with joy and hope. And Jesus says, I will give you my hope. All we have to do is ask. And the reality is... Listen, the reality is, I've seen it. This is so weird. Jesus being God man is a mystery. (laughs) That's the greatest mystery. Greatest mystery. I would say the second great mystery for me as a Christian, as a pastor, is to have watched people suffer. Like I've watched my brothers and sisters at Faith Presbyterian Church and other people. They can suffer and still have the joy of Christ. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That's that tension we live in. One day there will be no more sorrowful. It will be always rejoicing. Always rejoicing. Always rejoicing. Because God is the God of love. God is the God of light. And God is with us. And therefore, we have hope. So ask God for the Spirit. Ask Him to give you the joy. As you take the supper today, pray that prayer that God would give you His hope and He would give you His joy. And pray that for the people around you as we come to this table. Let us pray.